This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put oh, he's the What's he up the right sideline? He's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. Wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello. Welcome to the Republic of Football Week 1 edition. I'm your host, college editor here, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Ishmael Johnson here sitting next to me is Carter Yates in for his first week one. It's a different type of energy in the office. Yeah. Everyone's putting their head down and going to work because it's like, look, I know being a college coach is tough, sure. but you've got one game to prepare for. You we're preparing think, for 13 you gotta think about the writers sometimes. over here. Yeah. It's really tough <laughs> what we're doing right now. We've been writing a lot. Sure, mm-hmm. they've been in the sun, right? Sure, they've been practicing a lot, right? Game planning. Yeah, we've but been I've typing been typing away. I've been hunkered down typing. We've been typing for a long time, and that can get pretty strenuous, right? Uh, I, I'm not one to differentiate calories burned, whether you're running in 100 degree weather, doing wind sprints, or sitting at your computer. You're both you're both burning calories. Don't ask how many, right? Don't don't compare how many calories, but both burning calories in many ways. So. Thank you for, for hanging with us and uh, st- sticking with us through the offseason because we're finally here. It's not week zero. It's not preseason. It's not start of fall camp. We've got actual live football games going on. Of course, if you're a high school fan, you've, been, had, you've had a week or so to kind of enjoy that. But for us, we're finally here. The reason why you can hear us, of course, is our very own producer, everyone's favorite Mal pal, Mallory Hardley. How Mallory. Hi. How are you? How's it going? Are you ready? Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> for everything? I can't wait for everything. For the um, chaos? For the chaos, yeah, I did. Uh, Shmail, okay, so I quoted our okay. tweet on Twitter, sure. you know, where it set, where it has our broadcast. Yes. Um, and I said, one like an ish will let me preview Michigan State versus Central Michigan. And I already have two likes, so. <sighs> well, that wasn't a very high bar uh, you said there. <sighs> well, that's the point, because <laughs> anyway. I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk about that game. <laughs> I will give you... Like last year, I'll give Ten you seconds. a chance to <laughs> talk about them sometime this season. Okay, correct. <laughs> when, they, when they play Rutgers. <laughs> Probably when they play Rutgers. When they play Rutgers. Eh, who knows? Maybe, maybe a little bit before that. <laughs> uh, on today's show, though, if you're f- not familiar with how we do it during the season, we will be previewing every single Texas team that plays in the state this weekend. Luckily, there are some teams playing each other, so we'll be, you know, th- it won't be as many. We're not doing 13 games, put it that way. Uh, we have some interesting matchups. And then we'll give, before that, though, we will give Mike Craven a call, our senior college writer, to talk about TCU in Colorado. That's where he'll be this weekend. He'll be in Fort Worth. Uh, and there's a lot of hype surrounding that game just in general. Dion, you got the, de- the defending, the reigning runner-ups, uh, national title runner-ups in TCU, of course. And uh, there's a lot of storylines going into that game. Uh, by the way, we just put out our number three, uh, 50 most important college players in Texas, Josh Newton. There's a little bit of relation there for uh, TCU was our number three. We have number two and number one coming up tomorrow and Friday. And a little bit of a plug for Mike Craven's story on Baylor. Baylor's defensive coordinator, Matt Powledge, will be calling his first game, uh, first defensive game this weekend against Texas State. The last time he did was he was in high school at Huntsville High School calling the Powder Puff game juniors versus seniors so go check out a story on that it's really cool um and then of course he has a story on frank harris carter will have a store a feature dropping um on north texas i'll just put it that way as a little tease 
probably Ooh. tomorrow, Thursday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, there will be a nice little story there on North Texas for all you UNT fans. All right. So let's get into – we have a little bit of a preface um, because we haven't had a chance to talk about the Power Bowl. It's been a little been a, been a little while since we've been on. We did have a game yesterday – or not yesterday, last weekend, I should say. T, uh, UTEP once again played on week zero. Unfortunately, they lost 17-14 to Jacksonville State. And so the power poll, Maller, if you will throw this up whenever you can for our view, for our viewers, the power poll came out last weekend before that game. And as you see, UTEP is number 11 right there. They will, I mean, depending on what happens with Sam Houston and Texas State, they will either stay the same or drop. Um, they're probably not going to rise after their loss this past weekend. But let's talk a little bit about the power poll before we get into UTEP's game. All right, so Texas, as we've said all offseason, enters into the season as the number one team in the state, according to our power poll. Carter, as an alum, how nervous does that make you? That <laughs> Scale of one to ten, I'd say eight. Eight. Okay. Because now here's the thing about Texas is, one, they usually fall short of where they're ranked preseason-wise. Sure. But then you got to factor in this year that they will get everyone's best punch because this sure. is the last year – They'll be playing most of these Big 12 teams for the foreseeable future. Yep. And you already saw with Dana Holgerson what he said on his fan radio show. What Brett Yormark said about it. About what <laughs> Brett Yormark, the commissioner, said. He's openly rooting for Texas Tech, which, look, I get it. Yeah. Like, I'm not sitting here like this is egregious that, right. that he's saying this. I mean, sure, you want to be a little more vanilla, I would think, right. but – yeah, I mean, in a normal year, I'd be nervous. Now that it's Texas' last year in the Big 12 with the target squarely on their back, yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty nervous. Yeah, I'm wondering, we look at this power poll, and of course there are some teams that are ranked in a, probably in the, in the bottom half, right? Like a UNT, I'll say Texas State, Sam Houston, um, I'll throw Rice in there as well, that are, or Baylor, Baylor as well, that are kind of like mysteries, right? They're kind of like, we just got to kind of put them there because they weren't great last year, but Obviously, UNT and Texas State made some changes to their coaching staff, so we don't know really what they are, but kind of by default, they got to be here. Um, I'm kind of intrigued. I don't know. I, I think that there's a, there's room for a lot of movement, particularly in the bottom half. I would not be shocked if there are more teams in the bottom half finishing in the top half than maybe vice than, than maybe like top teams, aside from maybe a Texas, staying in the top half the whole season, in my opinion. I don't know. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I think when you look at like the top four teams mm -hmm. right there, those are all programs right now who I think have a very high probability yeah. of, of falling. You know, it's not like one of these where any of those top four teams are extremely consistent, sure. right? Two years ago, TCU was five and seven the last year with Gary Patterson. A lot of question marks coming in this year with a new quarterback having lost five members of the all Big 12 team. Texas Tech, I mean, I said it the last time we talked about this power poll, but. You would think that Texas Tech, based on the positive vibes around that program, won like 12 games sure, a year ago sure, sure. instead of going eight and five. Yeah. Uh, so they could be a little bit overrated. And then Texas A&M, I mean, the wheels absolutely fell off the bus last season. Mm -hmm. And they're placed at four right now just because how talented they really are. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I think Texas A&M, I said I think they're going to have a better year than finishing fourth, but – I'm not going to bank on Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino just having a seamless marriage here in right. year one. Sure, sure. So you said, okay, they're going to finish better in fourth. What, where do you think they're going to finish? I think they're going to finish ahead either one or two. I think Texas really? A&M will okay. finish ahead of Tech okay. by the end of this year. Okay. I think they'll finish ahead of Tech and ahead of TCU. If Texas plays to their potential, they're going to finish one. But right. Texas playing to their potential – 
is about the biggest if right. like right. scenario you can make. Exactly. Yeah. That's fair. All right, let's talk a little bit about UTEP before we go on to this week's games. UTEP lost Jacksonville State. I mentioned uh, Jacksonville State's debut in the FBS. I guess technically their debut in Conference USA as well. Uh, TC, uh, UTEP played. It was at. It was in Jacksonville. And yeah, um, Carter, how much of this game did you watch? Because I watched most of it, and I was kind of bored through most of it because it just felt like to UTEP, uh, the play calling was frustrating. I get it. Gavin Hardison is who he is. I think is kind of what I came away from as well. Um, and then they insisted on running the ball a lot, and they really can't run the ball. <laughs> well, they're running the ball a lot, and you had a tweet about it, but you're going to be third and five at midfield, and you're going to run the ball. The, the situations were very confusing, right? Because it was like at the end of the game, they needed short yardage, and they threw the ball. But the whole game, I thought they should be more of a vertical team because I think that's what Gavin Hardison's strength is, but they insist on running the ball. So it was like the, the time they chose to throw the ball. I don't think it was a bad call. I think Hardison just missed the throw. But in that scenario – if you would have asked me at the beginning of the game, I would have been like, yeah, no, if they have short yardage to go late, they probably try to run yeah, the ball. Yeah, third and one and fourth and one, they threw the ball. And look, the the slot wide receiver was open, was open on that interception. So, I mean, yeah, it was. I think Hardison said the same thing, too. I think Colin Deaver out there asked him in practice this week, and he was like, yeah, it was a good throw or a good call. I just missed the throw. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't think that Hardison had really good chemistry at all with his tight end and, like, in the short passing game. Sure. I mean, there was times where it'd be third and eight, and, you know, he threw short of the sticks and his tight end would fall down coming out of the break or something like that. And I made the comparison kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's almost like Gavin Hardison has a little bit of Josh Allen in him where, like, when he uncorks the ball, yeah, he has it, looks, it looks pretty. Yeah, he has an like, arm. Like, he can throw the deep ball very well. You saw the play to Kelly Akari. Mm-hmm. In the first drive of the game where it was a perfect throw and Akari yeah. made a great effort. It was just like a really hard pass to complete. Sure. And then uh, he, they hooked up later for a touchdown. But Hardison really struggles with like the 10 to 15 yard throws. You know, so that's why I'm saying it's a little bit of like I think when he just doesn't think about it and really uncorks it. Yeah. He's got one of the better arms in the state. Mm-hmm. But it's just that type of he's got to be a little more consistent. And it's hard to be sitting here saying we need him to be more consistent when he's in his sixth year. Yeah. Definitely. If you want to uh, hear more on this game, I believe Colin Deaver on the Mineshaft, on the, also on this podcast feed, did a really good job of breaking it down on their podcast. Craven also had a piece um, after the game as well. So before we get uh, Mike Craven on the phone to talk about TCU versus uh, Colorado in their home opener, I do want to tell you about a little bit about our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is with a new season. They're going to start rolling out their brand new collaborations weekly. They're going to be updating a lot of their apparel. For those of you that do not know, Homefield Apparel is probably the number one, in my opinion, the number one vintage brand uh, apparel, clothing apparel for college football and college football fans. I mean, you can you can go through. I believe they have over 150 uh, colleges to choose from, with constantly adding more as the season goes along. For Texas programs in particular, TCU. We'll talk about them in a bit. They're, they're, uh, they just updated their uh, TCU package. It looks fantastic. A lot of vintage stuff, a lot of baseball stuff as well, not just football. If you're a college football fan, please use promo code DCTF for 15% off your first-time purchase at Home Field Apparel. doesn't have to be to, uh, Texas schools. It could be any school you want, but, of course, we're going to pump up the Texas schools. If you want to support any of the other shows on this network, they each have their own promo codes. Go listen. Go follow them on social. You'll find out their promo codes as well. Pass it around to your friends. Again, 15% off your first-time purchase using promo code DCTF. All right. We are here with Mike Craven, who's getting ready to head up to Fort Worth this weekend to take, uh, to take a look at Dion's Colorado Buffaloes taking on Sunny Dykes TCU Horn Frogs. 
And uh, I guess I'm just going to start off right with it. All right, Mallory, I believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do your role for like one, for this one game only. Uh, That's okay. 11 a.m. kick Saturday two at 2 on Fox. TCU minus 20 and a half. I know this is a special situation, Craven, but when's the last time you saw a non-Bama or Georgia team, Power 5 team, open up against another uh, Power 5 team as a 20-plus point favorite? Yeah, it doesn't happen very often, you know. But but TCU obviously coming off uh, off a twelve nothing or twelve to twelve zero record last year in the national championship game. Um, you know, Colorado being so bad, and there's just so much unknown about the Buffaloes. I mean, fifty plus players brought in for the transfer portal. You know, Dion didn't bring along his offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator from Jackson State, so it's not you can go back and just watch that film and see what they're gonna do. Um, and so, you know, they have a lot of raw talent. Most of it's at, you know, kind of the skill positions. So we'll see how they hold up in, in the trenches. But that feels about right. Honestly, I think I lean towards taking TCU and giving the points. Yeah, I'm curious when it comes to – because there's – obviously there's – people can talk about Dion's kind of ties to the state, and there's another story there, right? Um, uh, obviously he has very, uh, let's just say, polarizing ties. <laughs> when you just look up Prime Prep, if you want a more info on that. Um, but there's also some, I think there's some motivation on Dion's side as well, because if I'm not mistaken, he wanted the TCU job, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, he interviewed for it, yeah. uh, for sure, and was was one of the finalists. I mean, depending on who you talk to, sure. it was it was Sonny Dykes or Dion, right? You go with the established name who's coached a lot, who's done it at DFW, or you go with that big kind of home run splash hire, and yeah. TCU aired on the experience side, and, you know, I think that they're happy with their decision. Uh, but this this took on bigger stakes than what it even had, you know, just a month ago when Colorado got announced to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, because you always had to deal with, like, okay, if Dion gets this thing rolling, he's going to recruit in the state of Texas pretty well. Sure. Well, if you add him to being a Big 12 school where he's going to play in the state against Tech or TCU or Waco or Houston at least once a year, probably twice a year, get trips into the state, now all of a sudden – you know, you're creating a, a, a pretty big force if you lose to them. And so uh, it's a big one for Sonny Dykes. And the thing I'm most interested about is how coaches kind of treat Dion. And if he if like coaches get an opportunity to blow him out, are they going to because he's so aggressive in the transfer portal, you know, that they're trying to show their locker room like, hey, you know, if they come around in, in December or whatever, we beat them by 40. You know, you don't want to go over there. And so uh, it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, how this works for for Dion in 2023. Now, Craven, I totally understand the TCU winning by over 20 and a half call that you made, but am I crazy for thinking that Colorado may jump out to a bit of an early lead? I mean, they have 86 new players, basically 10 scholarship players that return from last year's team. You have no idea what you're going to get with new offensive defensive coordinators. And I think Colorado kind of sneaky has some DFW fans around the area that will probably be going to this game. Did, oh, you there's, can no, tell- there's no sneaky. There's no. There, he has a. Uh, I'll, he's got a I'll, train with him. I'll shy yeah. away from a certain phrase, but he has a he has a he has a group that's really wouldn't ride and die for him. So I'm I'm not crazy, right? No, I mean, if you wanted to sprinkle a little money on Colorado in the first quarter, I, I wouldn't blame you, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. And I think that's true everywhere for week one. Like You just don't know uh, a lot of these rosters and these, so many new coaches and different coordinators and, you know, they're going to call crazy plays. Like, Colorado's got nothing to lose. They're on the road against a team that just played for the national championship. And Deion Sanders has a, has a team, as you mentioned, with, you know, 75 new scholarship players in a, in a two deep that is unrecognizable from the Colorado team last year. Like Sonny and the staff aren't even watching Colorado tape. 
from last year because, like, what's the point? And so, yeah, I guess they could uh, come out and catch them off guard. You know, I think if you're TCU, uh, you just figure that your offensive line and defensive line and just the depth on a really hot day, this is 11 a.m. Laying 11 a.m. kickoff in Fort Worth. You just hope that that stuff kind of overrides, you know, any trickiness or, or whatever that, that Colorado can pull out. Just weather that storm and then get into a fist fight, and you've probably, probably got bigger ones than they do. Yeah, that's a good point. They've been – Colorado has been practicing in Boulder, and uh, that's not Texas. <laughs> um, and so very much I, – I, I see this as more of a third, fourth quarter game as being the one that decides it because, like Craven mentioned, the two deep is going to be – okay, you kind of recognize some of these names, not necessarily from Colorado, but, like, that's where your Alton McCaskills are going to be, your Shadur Sanders, right, things like that. But then you start getting the third, fourth quarter where you're really starting to have to rotate – and then you start getting into the guys who either the guys who are playing a little too long because they don't want to play the walk-ons or the guys that probably aren't up to snuff or they're forced to rotate some of those guys who maybe aren't the top line that Dion that are going to be playing there theoretically in, in another year or two. And that's when I think TC really gets going that early fourth quarter spot. When you start really getting one, the peak of the day, it's going to be like 2 PM at that point uh, mm -hmm. heat wise. And then you also get into Colorado, maybe having to play a third stringer every once in a while on the defensive line. It's like, Okay, there's – I think the top-line talent for Colorado, you look at them and the UC, okay, that's a, a lower power five, upper G5 talented talent type of person, right? But then you start looking at the rest, and it's like, that's when you start getting shaky. That's when you start <laughs> seeing the tweets of why Shadur Sanders hasn't thrown a pick in practice, right? It's because look who he's practicing against. Mm -hmm. um, so, do you, I don't know, do you kind of see it unfolding that way, Craven? Because, of course, as we know, despite a lot of the answers we have on TCU, we've said it multiple times – there's still some players that we have we got to see from that from them too like some guys like we always talk about Chandler Morris but uh in the backfield at wide receiver there's still some question marks there too yeah I mean if you look at TCU's too deep you know out of those 44 I, I would say about 30 to 32 of them are, are going into year two and yeah. Sonny Dykes's system uh maybe didn't play starring roles last year but played some football or at least were on that team and and no Joe Gillespie on defense and, and kind of know some of the offensive philosophy stuff. I mean, even with the new offensive coordinator, they're going to do a lot of the similar stuff, right? Like it's still, there's a reason that he went out and hi hired Kendall. And that's mm -hmm. because he thought it would kind of keep the offense pretty similar to what it was. And so um, for me, I mean, if you're TCU, you just, you just figure that the first 30 snaps, yeah, maybe they can't hang with you a little bit. They have some talented players. Like, especially if we looked at this thing like a seven on seven game, yeah. you know, they're probably as talented in the front line as TCU is, but they do not have the offensive line and they right. do not have the defensive line uh, to, to last for 80, 90 plays on each side of the ball in the heat uh, against TCU team that is going into year two with all their guys where, you know, with Colorado, it's, it's literally starting from scratch. And um, that's a hard thing to do, right? Like it's a hard thing to build a program in one off season, especially when you're bringing in 70 new dudes. I know we're a Texas-centric podcast, Craven, but I'm really interested what your opinion is on Colorado this year, especially considering that three-and-a-half win total I think they have. Because I feel like everyone who's really mad at Dion for how he's gone about this business is, one, media members, two, opposing coaches. It feels like, look, the players that he made go in the transfer portal can be mad, but they're not there anymore. These are all his guys that he's brought in. The fans seem to be extremely bought in to what Dion's doing at Colorado. So it just feels like everyone who's kind of icky about the situation is all the outsiders, you know? So what, what is your opinion on Colorado this year as a team? Yeah. I mean, I think he just said the quiet part out loud too often. Like we enjoyed these kind of dealings to happen with a smile and a, and a, 
and a little bit of a, oh, you know, go have another chance somewhere. Like he was pretty straightforward of like, I'm going to cut a bunch of you. And that's just not in the normal spirit of college athletics. Like we're all adult enough to know that it happens, uh, but usually not that way. So uh, I think there was a lot of parents upset, a lot of coaches upset, you know, a lot of players obviously upset who kind of, you know, were forced to either choose between playing football or, you know, the life that they had built at the university that they had chosen over other ones previous years. And so uh, if you're inside Dion's circle, you're always going to enjoy the trappings of that success, right? Like he, he is a sensation. He is like marvelous at the marketing and, and being prime and, and building all that pub and taking care of his guys. The problem with Dion always has been as soon as you're not one of those, like you're, you're beyond nothing, you know, and he's going to treat you as such. And, and that's just a hard way. You better be successful. Like there are some guys that are those kind of dudes in this profession, uh, but you better be really, really good at it uh, or you're just not going to get away with it. And Dion has always been really, really good at it as a player, as a coach, as whatever. So he's always gotten away with it. And we'll see if the latest uh, thing can do that same trick. All right, like I said, uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. on Fox. Craven will be on site at TCU when they take on Colorado. Craven, safe travels up, man. Appreciate you. Yep, bye. All righty, so, yeah, that's probably the most intriguing game this weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, because it can go – I mean, I think it'll go one way, but there are many different ways it could get there. Let's put it that way. Well, Colorado, when Dion came in, had a bunch of North Face luggage, and then Dion came in, he brought that Louis luggage. Right, so we're about right. to see That's the Louis luggage. That's all you need luggage. to know, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're about to see. I, I think what I think is going to happen is Colorado is going to jump out to a lead in the first quarter. Sure, and then, yeah. like what you're talking about, in the heat, they don't have the reserves. Yeah, Mm-mm. It's like – the front lines, like Craven's talking about, the seven-on-seven teams, if you want to line those people up, of course, with Deion Sanders being the all-pro cornerback he was, he got the great skill positions sure. loaded. Yeah. But the trenches I'm really concerned about, especially with on TCU with Brandon Coleman and Andrew Coker, mm-hmm. uh, I think they are two linemen that are way above any caliber linemen that Colorado have. Right. So I think TCU will win this one, but I think it's going to get a little interesting no, I think at the so very too. start. I think so, too. All right, Mallory, let's get into our other spotlight games of the week. Can you remember how to do this? We'll see. Our second top matchup of week one. Carter, you're going to be here. UTSA at Houston this Saturday, September 2nd at 6 p.m. You can watch it on FS1. UTSA coming in as two-point favorites. How about the over-under set at 60? What are your thoughts going into this game? Because I was at last year's matchup. And the the triple overtime loss for UTSA was just heartbreaking. My opinion, I think they're out for revenge. And I think they're going to get it. I am getting to this game extremely early. Like, when the parking lot opens up, I'm going to be there, like, camped outside the cones, like, to get in. Because I really want to see what this tailgating scene looks like for Mm -hmm. Houston fans. So, they've already sold more tickets for this game, Dana Holgerson said in Monday press conference, than they have in any other previous game. Wow. Right? They have more season tickets. Uh, They have 10 games in the state of Texas, seven of which are going to be at TDECU Stadium. And this is why you go into the Big 12. You go for this bigger fan engagement. You know, they said Fan Day and Cage Rage were both hugely successful events. And there is so much air in this hot air balloon right now around mm-hmm. Houston. And that can get sucked out right away with the loss to UTSA. Oh, yeah. It, it is just so weird 
that Houston is now a power five team who is at home and favored to lose the game. Right. Like, I don't I this is something that I, I don't know how often this happens at all. And it just seems like this game has so much importance on it and it's really hard to overstate mm -hmm. how important getting a win here for Houston is. I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong here, but UTSA coming into this game, I don't feel like they have any kind of chip on their shoulder. I feel like they're coming in and they're saying, hey, we want a revenge tour from last year. Yeah. But it feels like all of these implications on this game land on Houston's shoulder. Is that correct? I Yes. I don't know if UTSA has really has plays with that underdog chip on their shoulder much anymore. I think they just are good. Like, yeah. They just think they're – they're a solid team. They've had guys there for three years who have been playing under trailer. I mean, they're the mo one of the most experienced teams in college football. And Houston right now is a team that had a weird offseason. Mm -hmm. Like, it, what they had guys transfer out of the program after spring practice that the coaches were blindsided by. Uh, you know, they're coming into now here as underdogs at home as a Power 5 school. I think Houston has everything to lose and UTSA has everything to win. To win. That's a good way to put yeah, it. And that's a really scary situation to be in mm -hmm. right I gonna, now. I was going to say, so you have UTSA who's, like Mallory mentioned, their only real, like, motivation in terms of, like, not just, like, going out to win the game is last year, right? They had right. a game that they controlled for the most part. They let it get away from them. Now, like you mentioned, there's no pressure on them, right? No. They're still the AAC team playing the Big 12 team. But now, to them, they're like, well, we should have won last year. We can win this year, right? We can upset the – we can spoil their first game as a as a Big 12 program, things like that. My thing – and that's kind of why I'm probably leaning them. because. But my, my thing is, with UTSA, for the first time ever, they lost a guy to the transfer portal, right, mm -hmm. in uh, Zachary Franklin. Franklin. Huge, huge – that was one of their biggest strengths last year is not only just Cephas, Franklin, and J.T. Clark, but all three of those guys, mm -hmm. right? We don't know the status of JT Clark yet, right? I believe as of 10 days ago, I think it was Greg Luca. That's what I was looking up just now. Greg Luca at the San Antonio Express News says that his status is still up in the air for the game, right? Josh Cephas, of course, he had a uh, eventful offseason. He had the DWI charge late. I think it was in around the bowl, around mm -hmm. bowl season, I think. Yep. So he's he's kind of like had to, I think the on the depth chart, he's back as their number two or number one, whatever you list him as. But he's had to work his way back kind of like to ingratiating himself with his team again, right? Definitely uh, a C-minus offseason. Sure, <laughs> yeah, at the very least. Um, but so th for the first time in a while, and then, of course, if you did not read Craven's story on Frank Harris, he had some issues, right? He mm -hmm. had some, obviously, recovery issues with his knee that's given him trouble his whole career, uh, even going back to San Antonio Clemens. He didn't throw from the end of the season till July. Right. Again, for those of you that did not that have not seen this story, Frank Harris legitimately almost medically retired. Yeah. Right. Like like that is a thing that almost happened. Go check out Craven's story now on Texobo.com. He went into detail on it. Up until I think it was I asked Craven, I was like, was did he know around media day when we when we talked to him in person? Um uh he was gonna play. He was like, Yeah, it was like the week before. He basically met with us in media day. He finally realized he was gonna play. So like for the first time that I can remember since, like, probably COVID, UTSA has had some real stuff to kind of mm -hmm. go through. That's the only reason I'm hesitant on picking them outright, right? Yeah. But I do want to go with them because I do think after getting through all of that, they're, like, together. And it's like, okay, cool. We've been through it. We're done. The fire's over, right? Cephas had that issue with the, with the DWI. Harris had that issue with his knee. 
uh, Franklin leaving kind of, uh, you know, that was that thing, but we're all together and we're here ready to go, right? They seem, yeah, I was going to say, they seem like the more put together team if we're, right. if we're comparing the after two right now. Well, that, and, and after all of that, they're still, right. That, that was, they're, they're, they seem okay. Right. Well, and you got to remember, too, both of these teams also have a lot to prove coming into the season in new conferences. UTSA sure. moving up to the American, and sure. then even more importantly, Houston moving up to the Big 12. Like, yep. they want to prove that they belong in the Big 12, and a good start is to. Houston at, or UTSA at home. And we do want to say that uh, Donovan Smith was announced as a starter. Yes. I believe the last time we talked, there was some Lucas Coley talk there, but uh, Dana, I think shortly after that, ironically, shortly after that episode, named <laughs> Donovan Smith the starter for Houston. So, again, I am I think Donovan Smith's fine. Yep. We'll see. <laughs> and I'll, I end it there. Fine, period. Like, I think he is fine. Um, I, think we'll I'm gonna, I think I'm going to zag. I think I'm going to go Houston okay. in this one. I, okay. The UTSA... I don't think this is going to be as strong of a team as UTSA has had in recent years. And That's I fair. do I do think that Trailer is all in, but with all these rumors about him, you know, sure. maybe going to a next job here pretty soon. Like, sure. I feel like the players don't have blinders on. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of like mm – -hmm. It, it kind of feels like this is almost the last They're ride. They're on social media. Yeah. It feels yeah. like this is the last ride preemptively. And it just with Frank Harris not playing, you know, with some of the offseason issues, the wide receiver room isn't going to be as strong. I'm going to go Houston this one, I think, sure. but I it's a toss up. Okay, it is a toss up. I, I'm going. I'm going UTSA. I'm going I, UTSA, which yeah. is the I've best. Go. It, yeah, to, toss up uh, games are the best. They are the best. We'll I'm check. We'll check back in on Sunday. Yes. But <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to our last top matchup of Week One, and that is Schmale, Texas State <laughs> at Baylor. This Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on Big 12 Network or ESPN Plus. Baylor coming in as 28-point favorites. The over-under set at 60-and-a-half. Schmail, we were at this game last year. We were, we were at a lot of games last year, but I was also at this game last year. Yeah, and I was, yeah. Texas State looked good in the first half. I'm not going to lie. Looked good in the first half. Uh, different, uh, different coaching Different story staff, last uh, yeah. second half. But. Yeah. They uh, did they go in with a no they were down they like, were down but like ten I think yeah it like wasn't much they looked pretty good they looked pretty good that was kind of the Ashton Hawkins breakout game as well um I have I mean look I think the line's right I think they should be about what is it what was it again let me see I, I was the line, 28, 28. Yeah. based off of what we know about both teams I think that's fine for now right Baylor we expect a rebound year from them Texas mm -hmm. State there's really not much you can expect right if it, it looks like it's gonna be TJ Finley starting. But even then, if it's TJ Finley or Malik Hornsby, you have an unproven quarterback who's a pretty good athlete versus a guy who's kind of been a letdown as a Power 5 quarterback. So it's like we don't really know what to glean from it. And the rest of them are UIW transfers or kind of guys who have had various amounts of playing time elsewhere in terms of like – I believe Colorado is the only team in the country that's had more transfers than Texas State. But Kenny hasn't – has he announced that Finley's starting? There, he has, it's no, he has or, an, right? It's, it's, it's the big still or. An or. What, I, what I'm gleaming from it is that – Finley will start, and then and then Malik Hornsby will will kind of play as well. I'll just put it that okay. way. Okay. Well, um, I I like how he has that or there though, because sure. like we talked about uh, two weeks ago on the show, yeah, two completely different styles of play. Oh, 100%. and that makes it really hard for Baylor to prepare. It's like okay, when we're running scout team offense mm -hmm. this week, one we're gonna have a six seven pure pocket passer sure and two we're gonna have a track star who's yeah. gonna tuck it and run if his first read isn't open right away sure and that makes it really tough to prepare and i think Colorado's a similar thing with texas state is like i could see texas state jumping out to a quick early lead because you just don't know what to expect if you're baylor with all those transfers you have yeah for me i think baylor will win this game and two people i'm looking at keytron jackson jr okay. at wide receiver yes 
he is supposed to be the number one guy, the deep threat that they didn't have last year. And that's mm-hmm. part of the reason that the passing game was was pretty pedestrian, right? It's because they lost Tyquan Thornton, mm-hmm. and then Monterey Baldwin was injured often. Keytron Jackson is supposed to be the guy who he can go up and get the ball for Blake Shapin. And yep. if he looks really good, then watch out for Baylor this upcoming year. I would not be surprised if this played out similarly to TCU Colorado, right? Because I like a lot of Texas State's first-level guys. Right, yeah. In terms of who they brought in, I think there's again, there's not as like they don't have a Alton McCaskill type of guy like Colorado did. But transfer wise, they either proved themselves at UIW or they were in the rotation elsewhere. Right. So I think top line starters, decent, where Baylor's going to be able to dominate and establish themselves in the trenches. And then, as you mentioned, out wide is when Texas State starts to having to rotate because then you start getting into maybe the guys at Texas State that probably weren't that great last year or maybe some transfers who probably aren't ready for to see that kind of playing time yet versus Baylor who admittedly they've been together for a while this team's been together for a while and only recently started to go in the transfer portal so they won't like you bring in a Mike Smith who brings in something you need but you're not relying on mm-hmm. like you know for depth and, and and bringing in a bunch of new guys these are guys that have been under Aranda um, played under played under this system for a while I do like the wide receivers that you mentioned I do also want to give a shout out to Josh Cameron as well because he was somebody who I believe was a PWO last year, yep, uh, or the year before. I can't remember when it was his first year, but regardless, he P- was, yeah, was he, yeah, he was, and because he was on the Cedar Park, the, the last Cedar Park State final team, yeah, and he earned a scholarship, yeah. yeah, and he was fantastic out of nowhere, and all of a sudden when I saw that he was going to be, I think he ended up not going to media day, but he was on the media day list initially. I was like. Wow, they really like a lot. You know, so mm-hmm. he's obviously made some strides for them. I believe he's listed as the number two or number three, uh, depending on how you see Monterey Baldwin on the depth chart. And so I do think they have depth now, not just a Keetron Jackson, who m- probably is on, on, on the cusp of being that premier guy, but they have two other guys in addition to him to now be uh, relied on. And that, that kind of puts a lot on Blake Shapin's plate. Right, because this is a big year for him. Obviously, he has competition now. Sawyer Robertson is is a, a former uh, uh, SEC quarterback with Mississippi State, and then R.J. Martinez, who lit it up in uh, FCS. Right, so he has competition to where, if he doesn't play well, you can now look at the receivers and say, "You got receivers. Mm-hmm. Time to pull the. Pl-. You know, we'll see." I do think Baylor pulls away. I would not be shocked if this starts similarly to last year, where Baylor maybe goes into halftime with like a 10, 14 ish point lead. They are playing against an offense and an offensive coordinator in Mac Leftwich, who is known for getting started pretty quickly. But I will say, as somebody who's seen those offenses not work, <laughs> it's great when it's working, right? It's awesome. But those are some quick three and outs if they're not working, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Those are some quick drives that could really tire out of defense really, really quickly. So, again, I think that line's right. I think I'm still going to pick Tech State to cover, but – I think I think by fourth quarter Baylor's pretty comfortable, and we're probably seeing some guys like R.J. Martinez or Sawyer Robertson in for just cleanup duty. I would pick Texas State to cover too because it's hard to say this about Week One, but I feel like That's this fair. could be a bit of a look ahead game for Baylor when That's they where they bring Utah in next week, mm-hmm. and like they could maybe underestimate Texas State and, and twenty get, hits a lot and get punched in the mouth a little yeah. bit early before yeah. they pull away. Sure, I think for Malik Hornsby, this is one of the most important games of his career. Oh, 1,000%. Because, one, he's, you know, going to be flip-flopping a little bit with T.J. Finley. So, one, they got to find out who the better quarterback is. But, two, for Malik Hornsby, it's like, this is your chance to prove you can play quarterback in college. Sure. Because we've seen when it doesn't work at Arkansas when you get QB spied and there's someone on the defense that's as fast as you. Yep. Was that a fluke and Harold Perkins is just that, like, all caliber of an athlete? Right. I think so. Right. But can Baylor now run with you? Sure. Can – 
another Big 12 team run with you like that? And then once they can run with you, can you beat them with your arm? And I don't know if that can happen right now. No, that's fair. I think that's fair. All right. Let's get into the wide zone. Let's go. Congrats, wide zone. Uh, Hurry up. Congrats, congrats, Mike Craven, because he's the one that came up with that, but yes. he's not here for me to congratulate him. So <laughs> congrats, Mike Craven. We love the wide zone. First game up on the wide zone, SMU hosting Louisiana Tech this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch it on ESPNU. SMU coming in as 20-point favorites, the over-under set at 66-and-a-half. Uh, yeah, La Tech – they uh, they barely won last week. <laughs> they were down <laughs> barely, 17. barely won against FIU. That is they were down yeah. seventeen to three. Yeah, at it one was point. a that was a tough comeback for them. I don't know how I feel about La Tech. I do know how I feel about SMU, and I'm I'm taking SMU. I also don't know how I feel about La Tech, but I know how I feel about FIU. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, do not like, I do not think FIU there you is go. very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, quick, quick trivia question. Anybody know who? Uh, La Tech starting quarterback is Hank Bachmeyer. Oh, good one. Yeah, former. I Boise, did my homework. Come on now, Boise State starter who transferred in the middle of the year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hank Bachmeyer. Uh, I thought that was actually a pretty good get for Sunny for Sunny Cumbie Cumbie, there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this should be a flex game for SMU. Yes, they should be able to show out in this game because this. Speaking of teams with high expectations, in a, let's put Texas right here up top, right. I honestly think there's an argument that SMU is number two, right? Because you can say A&M has a lot of – but that's more pressure in terms of, like, you better get it done. Yeah. As opposed to, like, I'm excited to see SMU. Yeah. A&M's not, like, excitement right, right. now. A&M, A&M, A&M is A&M's like, you like, better be yeah. yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the phrase? There's some lemon booty at, at College yeah. Station right yeah. now. There's some, there's some nervousness going on there. SMU is just like, I'm excited to see what they could really be this year. Yeah. And this is the type of game, a team that struggled against FIU. Again, I will reemphasize that. At home, insane hype. You should be the odds-on, or at least one of the odds-on favorites to win uh, the the American Conference. I I think they blow this spread out. There's minus twenty SMU. I think they blow. Yeah. This out uh, ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts because the Preston Stone era is starting <laughs> at is SMU. So yeah. excited for this. I'm very excited as well. I, I've been to fall camp and he looks very good. Uh, he's basically the guy who you know they had a very good quarterback in Tanner Mordecai yep. last year, and he had to transfer to Wisconsin because he's like, dude, Preston Stone. I'm Stone's not gonna. Play. That's what's <laughs> so shocking is that that Tanner Mordecai has been the starter for what two years now. Yeah. Yep. And Preston Stone beats him out to where he's got go way up north that's incredible also if fiu ran for 200 yards and 5.9 yards of carry against la tech oh and now you gotta face tyler levine jalen knighton lj yeah. johnson kamar wheaton four-headed monster and oh velton gardner too there's Velton five Gardner, guys yes, back there who are better than anyone fiu has <sighs> so Preston Stone, it's the start of Preston Stone era, but they could run for 300 yards. I was about to say, this is going to be a – yeah. Um, I, again, tech. I will say the thing I want to watch in this game, defense. Yeah. Can the defense make yes. some plays, right? Can the defense make sure that uh, La Tech has no room to breathe because that was the question mark last year, right, was that this defense, they brought in – they remade that defense. They brought in transfers mm-hmm. from Miami, West Virginia, I believe, like Liberty. Like there's transfers all over. So if they can really shut this down and have a really good showing defensively, then I really start to turn my attention to what's going on over there. Yeah, agreed. All right, next game on the list, Rice. Hoot, hoot. Hoot, hoot. Taking on Texas at Texas (laughs) this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on Fox. And Texas is coming in with a comfortable 35.5-point favorite. Yeah. Uh, And the over-under set at 58.5. 
Yeah. Uh, Carter, are you worried about this at all? <laughs> and any any chance that JT Daniels just comes in and lights him up? Uh, that's maybe. never happened ever. <laughs> <laughs> JT, no offense, but th- this is this is the one w- this is the one game where Rice is probably like, dang, we got a quarterback that they that they know. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally. Like every other game, they're like, yeah, we got JT Daniels, and now it's like, oh wait, they got film on this guy. Like Texas knows how to play. Against We've seen everybody's J- played against JT Daniels. We've <laughs> seen JT Daniels in 2018 when they lost uh, 14 to wait no 37 14 yes 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 yes. in 2018 when jt daniels was a freshman and then last year texas was up like 38 to 7 i was about to say there's one thing texas knows and it's how to beat jt JT daniels Daniels. uh i think jt daniels uh could have a good game sure light them up to win no No. (laughs) cover the spread what's the spread uh, 35 and a half. I think Rice covers. I was about to say, that's a, that's that's a, a big, big spread. spread. That's yeah. a big spread. I think Rice covers, even if not because Texas pulls all their starters and JT Daniels goes berserk on yeah. the second yeah. team yeah. in right. the fourth quarter. <laughs> right. And backdoor point. covers. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah I Look, um, Rice, I it's a team I'm excited for. Yeah. JT Daniels and Mike Bloomgren, uh, you know, I've talked about the eight-year recruitment of JT Daniels and how he likes this offense because it's multiple pro style and two and three play calls at the line of scrimmage. And this really plays in his wheelhouse as like a super intelligent quarterback. Sure. It's all fine and good. It's not going to happen. I was about to say, next week's the next no. week's the week to really start. Next this. week's the start. <laughs> uh, let's go out and get some practice in. Uh, let's uh, let's figure out yeah, where we healthy. are. Let's everyone stay healthy because we're not. You're not winning this game, right? But maybe maybe you'll cover. Yeah, yeah. I would. The only so I I'm, I was trying to look at last year's schedule to see like how many times Texas like blew their spread out the water. Uh, one of them was, hey, you remember when they beat Oklahoma 49 nothing? That was awesome. Um, that was one of them. But the other time was ULM 52-10 to t- to 10 in the season opener. I think Rice is better than ULM, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that 42 points is going to be that necessarily. Mm-hmm. But a touchdown better, maybe a couple, I could see that. I'm going to go with Texas. I do think Rice can cover. I'm going to go with Texas because I think that they've heard all summer that you guys better get it done this year. Mm-hmm. And then I think they're going to come out and like swing for the fences, right? Yep. They're going to yeah. come out and say, you know what? Screw this. We're, Cause like the other thing is when they quote unquote pull, pull their guys, we're just going to see Malik Murphy out there. Right. Yeah, and I right. think Malik Murphy is going to be able to be like, cool, my time, because whether or not I'm here next year, I gotta, I gotta have some tape, you know, uh-huh. like, so we'll see. They got Bama next week. I don't think it's a look ahead for Texas. Because I think they're lo- they're using this to look ahead to Bama, right? Yes, they're very much going to be like, we can't wait to play Bama, so we're going to just dr- pile drive Rice into the turf to be like, cool, we're ready, let's go. We might be sitting here next Wednesday and being like, is Texas going to go to the national championship? <laughs> like, our, our we, we yeah, I know it's fifty nine nothing. We're like, that was the greatest team I've ever yes. seen. <laughs> Exactly. I think they're going to come in with all the positive momentum against Alabama, and then we're actually going to see what kind of team they are. But sure. I think this is going to be, uh, this is going to be like a Harlem Globetrotters game. I was about to say, for, the for Texas. Yeah, they, <laughs> right. like, the generals are coming to town. When you were going to steal Mike Bloomgren's wallet and like run around and like do like, yeah. do, like oh, they're going to throw like water in his face. It's going to be confetti, and I'll just just completely <laughs> yeah. messing with them. Yeah. Exactly. And I already know I'm going to have every friend I have from college just blowing up my Texas phone is back, about baby. how <laughs> awesome they are. This is the year. And the, ri- <laughs> the Rice fan, what's the Krusty the Clown uh, gif from the, the the clip from the Simpsons where he's like, he's spinning the ball in his face. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the Globetrotters. Just like, come on. <laughs> Jeez. All uh, right. Yeah, not much to watch here, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, again, another flex game potentially. Mm-hmm. 
Let's go to my home turf now. Ooh. Cal. Intrigue. Traveling to Denton at North Texas this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch it on ESPNU. No more stadium. How about that? No more stadium. Cal coming in as seven-point favorites. The over-under is set at 54. I don't I, I don't agree with that. That's I, a, that's a, that's a very, that's a, I mean, yeah, I it's it's a small spread mm-hmm. because Cal's hasn't been impressive. Um, and also because the vibes at Cal, I mean, all time low. low. Vibes are not great at Cal. Uh, I mean, it, and it's the same. It's the same story with TCU and Colorado. It's not hot in Cal. <laughs> like yeah, they're practicing yeah. in very nice yeah. weather right now, and North Texas is used to practicing in 106 degree weather. So are they going to be able to keep up with you know? Are they going to have their, their guys out there dying all and, over the field? And they're going to be know? playing in the what I love to call the TCU Stadium. The TCU Stadium. A.K.A. D-A-T-C-U Stadium. I'm more, yeah, I'm more of a DAT-Q guy. Yeah. <laughs> I like the TCU Stadium because it just makes it just it, it says the TCU Stadium. Anyway, yeah. um, they're playing in their new slash newly named uh, stadium in Denton. So here's my thing. I don't know what to think of Cal because last year they stunk. They bring in Jake Spavadol, who – Mm-hmm. I like. I don't know if he's going to fix the offense, which yeah. is a problem. Um, he could because, again, I've the last time we saw we've seen him coach an offense when he was playing with Texas State players. And I don't know. I don't know if, if like you give him Cal players, mm-hmm. things are better. Um, but I also don't know what kind of talent Cal has. Yeah. Right how much now. better? Are the I was Cal about players? to say, like, I don't yeah. know. If looking at their record, it probably looks like Texas State playing a power five schedule. I don't know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not going to be that awful. But. I think that's why it's a seven right now. It's because, like, I think, one, that's optimism to Eric Morris, mm-hmm. saying, like, they have a new coach. They were a good team last year that wanted to be better, yeah. right? And I think that's a little bit of a positive to UNT. We now know Stone Earl will be starting. That's going to be another interesting mark. We, uh, I believe, Carter, you you have the story on that coming soon. I'll just plug that right now. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably, it'll probably be dropping on, on Tech Football today. Um, Chandler Rogers will apparently play, yep. according to Coach Morris. I can see why the spread is going to be – I think Cal will cover because I think it will be a little bit more. But minus seven does not shock me based on the, the question marks around Cal and kind of the, I'd say, pretty good optimism around UNT. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about UNT's offense being able to put up points whether or not it's Stone Earl mm-hmm. or Chandler Rogers. What I'm really concerned about is their defense – because a lot's been made about the 335 yes. and how innovative that is and the wide receivers at UNT and Eric Morris, they hate going up against it because mm-hmm. it, it does kind of stink to go up against three high safeties. But yeah, right. what you don't see in practice is they are extremely thin at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a 3-3-5, those linebackers need to be rangy yeah. and they need to they need to be some of the best players on the defense. And you They're lose, probably safeties in like the early 2000s. And you lose Katie Davis, who had like, I don't know, 200 tackles last year. Right. And Larry Nixon, who went to Auburn. Sure. And then Kevin Wood is their best returning guy, but he's been injured like all of fall camp. And he's like playing right now, but Morris wouldn't even commit to him playing on Saturday. He's kind of like going through the motions and practice because that's all he can do right now. And then the defensive line, what worries me – about this three three five as well as I don't know if they have the personnel along the defense in the front for this to work seamlessly. Got to have some hogs on a because they've line. got two guys who are three hundred pounds and exactly three hundred pounds. Yeah, everyone else is two seventy five. Sure, the guys on the edge are two fifty five. That's not big enough, in my opinion, to run the three three five effectively. Sure, I get that. My my biggest worry would be is going to be I think he's talented, but I do wonder about Mason Richards. 
Mm-hmm. He's a small defensive lineman for for the three through five, right? I believe there's. I believe he was standing up last year, but they moved him down to defensive line for the. I think he's talented. I think he's a, he's going to be a little bit sm- outmatched in this game in particular. I think when he maybe plays more AAC teams, more teams around like Rice and then things like that, I think he'll be better and he'll finish the year as one of their best players on defense. I think there's a reason why Eric Morris called him probably their most talented player, right? Um, I do worry about him playing up a size. He was a linebacker a year ago, right? That's a very different position than a down – Three three five lineman. Uh, I believe he's on the end, right? If I'm not mistaken, he is. Yeah, yeah. but he's going to be getting a lot of double teams too, sure, probably sure. because and so three down lineman. Right, exactly. So that is going to be an issue. I'm very curious about Sam Jackson, the fifth for Cal, former TCU quarterback, transfers to Cal, was named their starter. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think about him because he hasn't. He never played at TCU, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he uh, Cal, from what if I'm not mistaken, Cal was also in for Chandler Rogers this offseason. I don't know if it was when UNT made it probably made a harder push or whatever, but he took an official visit to Cal. And UNT, I believe, came in the picture. I can't remember if it was, it was at the same time. Regardless, Cal then made Sam Jackson their their target. I'm curious what they saw in him because now you have, again, a new offense. Jake Spavadal is an air raid disciple similar to Dana Holgerson. What do they see with him running that offense that they like more, th- whether it was more than Chandler Rogers or whoever they were targeting? I don't know what to expect. And so – I think the, the question marks on defense for UNT is really good because, yeah, there's some personnel issues that need to be worked out for that three three five to work, depth-wise as well. Um, and then offensively, look, Cal on defense will always be, I think, average because Justin Wilcox's a defensive guy. Offensively, we'll see. I have nothing to add about Sam Jackson. I have no idea what he's exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I know he's the starting quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was a pretty highly like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and filibuster. That was and Act like I know Sam. Look Jackson. up his stats. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know much about him either. No, they. <laughs> so. That's funny. All right, let's move on. New Mexico playing at Texas A&M this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN. Texas A&M coming in as 38 point favorites. The over under set at 49. I am going under on this one only because it's not what AM does. No. They don't blow teams out. They don't. Like, even when they win, like, I think last year, let me see, last year, they beat Sam Houston 38 nothing. Or 31 nothing, sorry. They don't blow teams out. I think it'll be a very boring, controlled game. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's. They're, it's not going to be risky or anything. I was about anything. to say. They're the, going to keep it controlled. Yeah, now. like, 38's a lot. I can't remember the last time they beat a team by 30. I'm looking right now. Right. I have not 2022, seen 2022, they lost to Appalachian State 17-14 to 14 in Week 2. Right. 2021, they beat a bad Colorado team 10-7 to 7 in Week <laughs> 2. 2020, they started... Uh, one and two, getting no two and one, but they got smoked by Bama and beat Vanderbilt by five. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M historically, I know Jimbo Fisher does not start the season very hot. It's kind of 2019. They beat Lamar sixty-two to three. That was the last time they won by like thirty more points. Uh, it's it's kind of yeah. like the opposite <laughs> of Kevin Sumlin's teams, where they would always start five and zero, oh, and then you get to October and, and then have, <laughs> have a lose. funeral yeah. against Bama, and then like stop playing the rest of the year. <laughs> Basically, uh, I think look. My, my Aggies fans here, we got to hold strong after this game, okay? Yes, no, because I agree. I agree. it's going to be close, all right? It's going to be dicey, and there's going to be a lot of weird media reports after, like the Jimbo Fisher, Bob Petrino marriage isn't working. Mm-hmm. You know, you just beat New Mexico 21 to 10. It's okay. It's week one. It's weird. Don't worry about it. Got to hold strong. It's You're gonna not going to show your best. You're not going to show all your cards week one either. It's going to be a good season. It's going to be a good season. This game's <laughs> going to be super boring. I will say, I, I, th- I think I'm the opposite. I do think it's going to be boring. Don't get me wrong. I think it's going to be boring or uh, in the sense that 
they're never going to be in danger of losing this. No. It's going to be that game where they're going to be up 7 nothing. It's going to be halftime, and New Mexico State has, like, four yards. <laughs> and it's yeah. going to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. they, they haven't crossed half field yet. They're not – like, they're not – it's like, oh, they're a big play away. It's like they're not doing it. Like, it's just going to be one of those games that kind of vintage Nick Saban games where they just sit on a game, and they're not really trying to flex numbers. They're mm -hmm. just trying to get out of there and be like, yeah, cool, we did what we needed to do. You know, Connor Wigman, I think, will look pretty good. But, yeah, they're just – 21-10 sounds right, maybe 28-10. They just don't blow teams out. Like, yeah. they just – I don't know. They don't. So, don't worry, Aggie fans. I think you'll be fine, too. Uh, next week's the real Limbus test at Miami. That's – I think will be actually a better showcase, and I think you'll come out pretty comfortable in that one. I wouldn't be surprised if they win that, not by more, but, like, if they just – like if you come away looking – feeling better about your team against uh, – then, then you do this one. I like that, yeah, too. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right, Texas Tech playing at Wyoming this Ooh. Saturday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it on CBS. And Texas Tech coming in as 14.5-point favorites. The over-under set at 50.5. Speaking of teams that may have a little bit of a look-ahead in their mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and you do not <laughs> yep. want to be looking ahead to Oregon when you're in Laramie, Wyoming. I was going to say. Because you can find yourself in the Thunderdome really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Bull, baby, Bull Ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this one's going to be very interesting. Like you mentioned, Tech's had a lot of a lot of hype this offseason, rightfully so. We think that everything's going good in Lubbock. We, they look really good. They didn't lose anybody. I mean, they lost Tyree Wilson, obviously, but nothing that you're really concerned about, right? Now it's time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's basically what it is now. Now it's time to put that to the field and – Wyoming's not exactly I don't want to say like it's oh like <laughs> I don't want to call it the Thunderdome necessarily but it is a, it is a different it is a different environment than you're used to playing into right dun, dun, dun. <laughs> nobody walks into Laramie with a dove <laughs> I'm interested to see what Taj Brooks like as the sole running back yes that's number one yeah I'm interested in what Tyler Shuck looks like you know he came he had a lot of injuries last year and he looked great at the uh in the Texas Bowl but <laughs> After this whole offseason, you know, with Kitley, and they, they made him the guy after spring ball when it could have dragged into fall camp with Baron Morton and Tyler Shock. I'm interested to see what he looks like. Um, the defense, I think, is something that's been a little bit lost in the shuffle and all this Texas Tech hype. And the fact of the matter was the secondary wasn't all that great last year. Right. So how do they look against Wyoming, Wyoming a team that – look, I think Wyoming is a perfect test to play because it's like you can – you. You can not play your best mm -hmm. and get a little scared, but you're going to win the game probably. Sure, sure. It's not like this team they're going to go and lose to Wyoming, but I think Wyoming will give them a game. Mm -hmm. And I uh, mean, there are there are some, Craig Bowles made them a reliable bowl team, a Group of Five bowl team, which is a good litmus test, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think they're solid at running the ball. I believe uh, Parker, a good friend, stats of war on Twitter, put out his uh, advanced stats graphics for the week, and they were 35th in the country in EPA per rush. They can run the ball. Right, so that's a good test for that front seven for Texas Tech. Uh, I also want to see the offensive line for Texas Tech, who was god awful last year. Yeah. <laughs> Can they hold up against a team that doesn't have that great? If if Wyoming's getting pressure, we have problems. Oh yeah. Right. So if they're able to keep things keep things uh, protected for for Tyler Shuck, which by the way could be the key to their season because everybody got hurt last year and that was kind of a big reason why they were kind of up and down at times on offense. Tyler Shuck's healthy. Things look good, right? You can protect your quarterback, and we'll see where things go. So I think Tech covers, um, but I like this litmus test. They're, I believe Wyoming's been 7-6 and six past two years. So. I got Tech covering as well. Yeah. 
All right, moving on. Incarnate Word traveling to play UTEP this Saturday at 8 p.m., and you can watch it on ESPN+. I don't got any numbers for you because Incarnate Word's an FCS opponent. Yeah. Um, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little worried. <laughs> a little concerned here for, uh, for the minors. Um, <laughs> listen, week. as a as a, as a a former – as an alumni of victim of, of UIW. Before, yes, correct. You can <laughs> um, speak on this. <laughs> look, I know I know Killo is, is a d- new head coach for, for UIW, but he is well – versed in the UIW <laughs> kung fu arts of slapping some FBS teams around. <laughs> um, listen, go check it. By the way, if you don't know, uh, UIW starting quarterback is Zach Calzada. Woo. Uh, that, yes, that's Zach Calzada. And Auburn, fans. Texas A&M, yeah, everywhere. A&M, Auburn, all that <laughs> stuff. So they got a quarterback who has an arm and who knows that he's going to an offense that loves to throw the ball. And now – uh, uh, Killo takes over. Um, uh, Clint Killo takes over. Wide receiver, former wide receiver coach, now the head coach. He's going to be running basically the same stuff. Yes. Uh, I'm picking UTEP to win. Okay. But. <laughs> but. Y'all better not let this get ahead of y'all. Y'all better not let this get this this game get away from y'all. Because this team, I am very excited to see this Incarnate Word team. And I'm very excited to see – Zach Calzada with the full confidence of an offseason and a team that's behind him mm-hmm. and a coaching staff that's behind him to lead them forward. I'm going UTEP because I don't think I don't want to believe things are that bad yet. But they could absolutely be that bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's my here are my thoughts on UTEP right now. Sure. One versus Jacksonville State. Too many drives that went to midfield or pass with no points. Yes. Turnover on downs, the first drive, missed field goal, sack fumble. It was very. It was very. It was very springy spring practice game from uh, UTEP. The running back situation. I like that they have multiple running backs, but I think Torrance Burgess is the best one. Mm, number five. He was, I think, the most explosive by far. Um, UTEP procedurally had some things that were worrying me. One at the in the second quarter when they had to burn two timeouts back to back, and it actually they got a delay of game penalty because you can't. They literally called a timeout. Went and talked over their play, and they lined back up and had to call <laughs> yeah, another timeout, and they were like, "Wait, you can't do that. That's a that's it, a penalty." Yeah. yeah, and it actually helped them because they ended up scoring, and they wouldn't have had a timeout later. Yeah. As far as the defense goes, I don't know how many plays I watched where Jacksonville State's running the play and UTEP's getting lined up. Yeah. Like they were just constantly shifting sides of the field. They were looking to the sidelines. They weren't ready to play. And then I also don't know how many times UTEP got beat by the halfback wheel pass. Because yeah. it was a lot. Yeah. Um, I think UTEP wins, but not by much. I was about to say, don't make us look stupid, please. Because I, yes. I don't want to believe things are that bad yet. I do. That last week's game did make me really, 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 really nervous. Um, the only the 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 benefit the benefit the the one piece of credit that I do want to give UTEP is that Jacksonville State was an excellent FCS program. Right, that was like a one of like the nine, ten wins. Like when they had seven wins, it was a bad year for them. Right. right. So it wasn't them playing like a middling of the pack team coming up to FBS. It was them playing like an Appalachian State caliber going up to FBS. Regardless, shouldn't have lost last week. There were some issues there. That's what I'll give you. Please don't lose to Incarnate Word. Also, resident weatherman here. It's Ooh. very humid in Jacksonville. It State. is very humid. Not in Jacksonville very humid in El Paso. In, in it's not very humid. In El Paso, so you also know. I did see Jacksonville. They had like f- giant fans on the sidelines, and they were just like, "Yeah, good luck, UTEP." Yeah, <laughs> and, like, they did and not UTEP fans like, at all. Baking in the sun, <laughs> like they like flashed over to them, just like right in the right in their face, That's which funny. was awesome. Uh, one more, let's go. 
Let's round it all out with the newest member of our weekly previews. Sam Houston traveling Ooh. up to BYU this Saturday. Kickoff, stay up, folks. It's at 9.15 p.m. You can watch it on FS1. BYU coming in as 20-point favorites. Sam Houston after Over dark. under set. Huh? Sam Houston after dark. Correct. <laughs> Over under. <laughs> is, Noted party uh, city. and a half. No. <laughs> No. Noted Party City. Noted Party City, Huntsville, go, taking on Noted Party City, BYU, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, quick off the top of your head, BYU starting quarterback. Keaton oh. Slovis. Ah, there you go. Yes, Keaton Slovis on his 17th school uh, in college. So, um, Where was he at before? He was at Pitt last year, and then he started at USC. Similarly, he's on the JG Daniels track of nice. going to USC and then – Somewhere else, out. <laughs> wherever wherever he decides to go. Uh, I believe Sam Houston. I don't know if they named Keen Shoemaker, but he's more or less going to be the starter. They did. They did name Keen yeah. Shoemaker. So I would not be shocked if he plays. Uh, Keeler did say he wants to play one quarterback. Uh, I believe Brent. Uh, uh, excuse me, Ben Sorrells, uh, the host of March of the Pod with Corey Hoke. He tweeted out that Keeler did say he wants to play one quarterback. Of course, they brought in Grant Gannell from UNT, formerly mm-hmm. of Memphis. Whether that means that. He's going to stick with Keegan Schumick the whole time, or if he does make a switch, that it's permanent, right? If Grant Gannell's named the starter, he's going to stick with him. Whatever. Regardless, I think this weekend we'll see just Keegan Shoemaker. Um, he played last year. He was like, He's a captain. He was at Media Day, right? They've mm-hmm. done a pretty good job of like showing him that despite this transfer, here's our guy, right? So whether or not we're talking about this in a couple weeks, I don't know. Uh, but they seem to have faith in him going forward. It's going to be a big year for them. They redshirted a lot of dudes, Sam Houston, last year because they said, this year we're playing FBS ball. We want you here for that. It's not an easy schedule. <laughs> they go to U- BYU, uh, host Air Force at Houston. Then they get, quote-unquote, a uh, rest against fellow program at Jacksonville State. Not an easy schedule to come into, but I, I-, I think Utah covers – or sorry, BYU covers. Yeah, um, agreed. But I think I come away from this optimistic about Sam Houston regardless. I'm going to take – a bit of an opposite approach. I okay. think Sam Houston is going to be good this year. I think they're going to compete more than people expect, but I think they're going to get boat raced against BYU because of all those guys who redshirted. Sure. I mean, that's fair. It's a year mm-hmm. off football. It's a year off football. And f- as we get, you know, farther and farther along in the concussion protocol mm-hmm. and of how everyone is so smart now about limiting head injuries, sure. people aren't practicing like they used to. That's fair. So these guys who took took a year off football, like they haven't been live tackling mm-hmm. near as much, and game speed is completely That's different. That's a really good point. Yeah, really game good point. speed is completely different from the practice speed. So, uh, and you're playing a team against BYU who's now in the Big Twelve, and I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to be ready to play at that game speed yet. Yeah, eleven and one, ten and three, eight and five have been BYU's last couple seasons under Kalani Sataki. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. But I, I do think I'll be optimistic about Sam Houston. But, yeah, their schedule does not do them any favors. No. So, yeah. That'll that do it. it. That's it. All right. Week one. Week one preview in the books. Remember, we do record Sunday mornings uh, or early afternoons, depending on whenever everybody can get situated because, of course, we're all over the state. So we will be back uh, Sunday only on the podcast, so not not the video. Won't form. be live. It won't be live. So we'll be, come ba- we'll be coming back with uh, recaps of all of these. Uh, we'll see if we get Craven on or Carter on, depending. Again, we'll depend on schedule. But regardless, you'll hear from us again Sunday. And with that being said, we have interviewed 12 of the 13 FBS coaches. Thank you, Casey Keeler, for being officially uh, part of the FBS family mm-hmm. with us and Sam Houston. 
So we'll talk to you guys later. Go Rutgers kicking off against. Beat Northwestern. Beat Northwestern, baby. And we'll talk to you guys Sunday.